Good morning. The time change didn't do too bad this week. I think my wife put up a note saying, you didn't lose an hour of sleep, we lost an hour of winter. So it's like... I want to take a couple minutes before I go into grace. I want to remind ourselves some of the words that God said this morning. One of them was Pastor Nelson spoke on the power of his word. The same word that spoke creation and the worlds into existence is the same word that speaks to you and I now. The same word that he spoke when he said, Lazarus, rise up, is the same word that lives in you and I and speaks to you and I now. And as we read his word, you and I can believe and expect the power that is in this word to be alive, resident, dwelling, and active in you and I today. It has not lost its power. Then Josh had a song from the Lord, Our God Reigns. Somebody here needed to hear that. Somebody here needed to hear and to be reminded, no matter how crazy life gets, God reigns. I heard the reference that he is the anchor. Do you know he doesn't pull up anchor and let you go? He is the anchor. He doesn't change the rules. He doesn't change the goalpost. He is steady. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pastor Nelson came to me during worship and he said this phrase, He said, as we stand in his presence, we actually stand in the presence of God. And as we were standing in worship, we were standing in his presence. We were actually standing in the supernatural. So who here needs a miracle from God? Who here could use a healing? Who here could use something that man is not able to do, but that you you could use some help? Who here could use some financial blessing? Who here could use something that goes beyond what is humanly possible? When we stand in his presence, we are standing where that is there, and it is for us, and it's alive now. And then Howard came, and he said, concentrate, appreciate where we are today. Quit looking back, but look forward. Because God is a God that's moving forward. Sometimes we get words like this, and we're so quickly to dismiss them or to move on, but we need, that was a word for somebody here today. Have you ever wondered why you have a rear view mirror that's this big and a front view 
that's this big. Because you need to spend more time looking ahead than you do looking back. So this morning, I'm going to share the word, but I think the word has been expressed quite well already. This morning, I want to talk some more. I want to talk about grace. Grace is amazing. We've spent the whole year so far talking about grace. Pastor Nelson started talking about grace from 2 Corinthians 9, and it says in that passage, 9 verse 6, I believe, that it says, he is able to make all grace abound. That you can do everything for anything. Like It's, it's like the limits are not put on the power of grace. The ability of what grace can do goes beyond the limits that you and I have established. Pastor Nelson was encouraging us to look at the power of grace and what grace can do in our life. What's really interesting about that passage is it's actually a financial passage. And I'll tell you right now, I want every one of you to succeed and to grow financially. I do not want you to suffer. I'd rather you have more money than you need than not needing money. Or not, I'd rather you have more money than having a need for money. I trust you with more money than I do an evil person who takes money and does evil things with it. It says in Deuteronomy that God gives you the power to create wealth so that he can establish his covenant. You know, grace is connected to your financial well-being. I got a couple amens. We jumped into Romans 5. I'm telling a little bit of a recap. We jumped into Romans 5 a few weeks ago, and we saw this amazing picture in Romans 5 of, of Paul using this argument, talking about the grace of God and how the grace of God brought new things into our life. And what he did was he said, you know, the old man... Uh, referring to Adam, one sin, one transgression, and this happened. And then he says, but through Christ, obedience, and this, he says, abounded much more. And when we looked at Romans 5, we saw there was a new focus. There was a new identity. There was new relationship. There was new victory. Do you know you have victory because of grace? Because of the grace of God, I can overcome those things that I cannot overcome on my own. Grace takes you beyond your ability into his ability. And we saw, and, and, and Romans 5 was amazing. I love Romans 5 and how he states it and how he lays out the argument. And then he gets into Romans 6 and the first verse of Romans 6 says, so how should we then live? 
Should we continue in this sin because grace abounds? So he says, should we continue this so that grace can more abound? And he says, no, God forbid. You don't continue in that so that grace can abound. He says, but instead you live in the grace that God has. And Romans 6 was talking about our response to his grace. You and I have a response to the grace that God gives us. And then Romans 7. So that was Romans 6 talking about the response. And then Romans 7 talks about this amazing dilemma, this amazing, this crazy. Have you ever wanted to do something right for something and you found out that you just couldn't do it and you did something wrong? You say, well, I got up this morning and my intention this morning was that I was going to do this, but I didn't even get out the door and already I'm struggling and I've done this, but I don't want to behave like this. I want to see this happen. I've had that. And I dare say every husband here has had those moments where you say this morning, Today, this week, when my wife and I have a discussion and she sees things different than me and she tells me of how, how she sees them, I am not going to respond this way, but I'm going to respond in love and grace and this is how I'm going to respond. And it's not just the men that have this issue. And all the men said, Amen. And the moment that that issue comes up or that conversation comes up or that situation arises, you find that these, these words come into your mind. Defense. I'm going to defend my turf. I'm going to defend myself. I'm gonna, and, and instead of saying, no, I'm going I'm to hear this, this person out. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to uh, hear what they have to say. I want to grow from what they have to say. Instead, it's like, no, oh, and before you know it, it's hit the fan. And Paul was saying, he says, I will to do good, but I just can't seem to do it. In one of the passages, in one of the translations, he even says, I love, I love how this reads, I'm a mystery to myself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Like, why did I do that? I know better. I, I know I shouldn't do that. This person said, watch out. And I was intending to do this, but I made this mess. And Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me? And then in Romans 7, 25, he says, what can I do about this? And he says, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And through that whole dilemma, he comes to the understanding, to the realization, to the revelation that it's not his will. He could not will it to be. Do not depend on your will. 
Do not depend on your will. And I've heard people say, well, I will this and I will that. And I'm going to will this to happen. And I will that I'm going to change like this. Can I tell you something? You will not. Unless it is by the grace of God. And Paul was saying, I will. And yet I can't. And he came to a total end of himself. And then he realizes, I cannot do anything except it's through Jesus Christ that I have this solution. And this morning I want to continue on and I want to read a few verses out of Romans chapter 8. And I just want us to see the transition that Paul takes through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 7, from verses 7 through to the end, the word I, me, myself is predominant. In fact, if you read chapters 5, halfway through chapter 5, all the way to the end of chapter 7, the word Holy Spirit or Spirit is only used two or three times in those chapters. And in chapter 7 alone, the word I is used over a dozen times. I think it was like 17 or 18 times the personal pronoun, I, me, myself. And what I want you to see is the transition that happens as Paul starts in Romans 8. I want you to see how many times the word I is used compared to how many times the word spirit is used. Because this is key to appreciate, to growing, to understanding the grace of God in our life. So if you've got Romans 8 ready, and I'm reading it out of the New American Standard. He's, he concludes chapter 7 when saying, thanks be to God. It's because of God through Jesus Christ. And then he starts in Romans 8 verse 1. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who is in Christ Jesus? If you're, if you're in Christ Jesus, can you raise your hand? If you're in Christ Jesus, thank you, Adrian. I was really worried there for a second. <laughs> if you raised your hand... You're not guilty. This is radical. Now we've seen this through chapters 5. We've seen our response in chapter 6. We've seen how it works in chapter 7 when we tie to take the wheel. And now we're seeing that there's a better way to drive. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh 
so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Let's keep an eye on the word spirit. Paul's had this revelation in Romans 7, verse 25, where he realizes he comes to the end of himself and he says, it's not me, but it's through the revelation, it's through Jesus Christ that I have this victory. And now he starts to show how that victory is realized. And he starts by saying, there's no condemnation. Do you know condemnation is probably one of the greatest things that believers or people battle with? Not just believers. Condemnation brings on feelings of inadequacies. Condemnation brings in a feeling of not measuring up. Condemnation feel, brings in a feeling of isolation. Condemnation brings in this feeling of, I'll never do this right. Condemnation digs a hole, and pretty soon what you are is you are not measuring up, you're not able, you're not capable, and it drives you and pushes you down, down, down. I'm here to tell you, there is no condemnation when you walk in the Spirit because of Christ Jesus. And we've seen, when we accept Christ... We accept and we actually are crucified, buried, and then we raise with him. So we walk in this new life. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is what? Life and peace, dude. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the... What are you in? Paul gets this revelation, and the Holy Spirit's giving him these words to write, and he says, there's no condemnation because of Jesus Christ, and I'm in Christ. He says, and now I... and and. Then he continues that and he talks about how being in Christ means that we live in the spirit and we walk in the spirit and we are in the spirit. My sustenance is not from my flesh. My sustenance is from the spirit of God. My citizenship is in heaven. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And sometimes that word if means since. If you study it and you read it, it is not always the word if, but since the spirit lives in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit 
is alive because of righteousness. But if the, listen to this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells. And Paul is saying, the way I live is completely changed. I no longer live by my flesh, but now I live by the spirit. Now this does not mean You walk around going, oh, the Spirit moved me to do this. The Spirit moved me to do that. Yes, the Spirit moves us, but he moves us consistent with his word. The Spirit is not flaky. That was God calling with an interesting ringtone. I just want to leave you with a few thoughts this morning. Grace does the impossible. Because Paul said, this is impossible for me to do on my own. In Romans 7, he says, I just can't do it. And he put everything around I. And he says, I can't do it. I can't measure up. I can't will it. I can't work it. I can't make it happen. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he gets this revelation and Paul takes the old way and he eliminates the I. And now he brings in, this is the way I'm doing it through in and because of the Holy Spirit. I, he lives in me. He breathes in me. I'm in him. One passage says we're in him. Another passage says he's in us. It's like, like I did that little thing with the Play-Doh. You can't distinguish the power of grace living in us should make us indistinguishable between what Christ is doing and what we're doing because Christ is doing it through the Holy Spirit in our lives and that's what grace is all about. I've heard this expression and sometimes I think it just is an expression to make us sound religious and holy. I can't do it, but by the grace of God. Now, I understand that, and there's things I can't do but by the grace of God. But sometimes we use that, and I don't think we understand the power of the grace of God. Because you literally can do it because of the grace of God. We almost use it, and then, well, you know, I just couldn't do it. It's like, but, but I did say, you know, by the grace of God, I'll try. The grace of God does not try. The grace of God does. He doesn't have a try angle. He has a does angle. He does it. 
Grace does the impossible. Look at somebody and say, grace does the impossible. And then say, there's still hope for me. The Holy Spirit does the impossible. Jesus does the impossible. The Father does the impossible. They're all in it together. The Holy Spirit is not off on his own doing something and God saying, Oh, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? They're in it together. And just like Pastor Nelson talked about the power of his word, he is committed to you and I 100%. And what's amazing about grace, what's amazing about God, is that he extends that to us before we have even done anything to be merited worthy of it. He extends to us grace when we're at enmity. And that word enmity means ill will. An enemy. This morning, we're going to spend a few more weeks in, in Romans. I'm not sure if it'll be next week or in a few weeks from now. But Romans 8 is one of the cataclysms, cataclysms one of the big chapters in the Bible. I, I, cataclysmic, I don't know if that's even... But it's, it's like paramount. It's like one of the major chapters in the Bible. If we could spend time in Romans chapter 8 and you'd see what God has done through the power of the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus has done, through the victory he's given us. I mean, you move on in this chapter and you find out that we are, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he goes on, all things work together for good. That's found in Romans 8. Adoption. Him calling you a son and a daughter. And that word adoption talks about placement. Like he picked you. You just didn't show up on his doorstep and he opened up his door and would go, oh, oh, no, he placed you. He picked you. He said, I want him. And he pulled you into his family. These are all in Romans chapter 8, the power of the grace of God. The grace of God is given through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and is lived by our relationship through and with the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God's grace. It's powerful. One version starts in Romans 8. So now the case is closed. My prayer for you right now is that that argument that goes on inside of you that tells you you don't measure up or tells you that you can't do this or that you're not worthy or that you made a mistake. My prayer for you right now and it, as we go through this is that would be stopped now and you'd say the case is closed. Jesus did it. It is finished and now I live moving forward by the grace of God.
You do not have to live in a position of defeat. You don't have to live in a position of beating yourself up. You do not have to live in a position of, woe is me, I am a worm. You do not have to live in a position of, this is just me, I just did it again. But you can live in a position that, you know what? I live by the grace of God and there's no condemnation against me. You say, well, you just made a mistake. No, that, that, that was not me. This is me. This is me. This is how I live. I live by the grace of God. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives a few verses here and he talks about living in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. He talks about having a mindset of the Spirit. Walking in grace is that I've changed the way I think. I've changed the way I think. And I used to have this default where if I made a mistake, I would say, well, that's just me and that's the way I am. That's the way I was born. That's in my family. That's yada, yada, yada. But grace comes and my mind is now set on the grace of God. And he actually says, set your mind. And he's talking about having a mindset. That's not me. This is me. And because of the grace of God, I live and I breathe and I work and I walk and I do what he says. And I don't dwell over there. I dwell here. This grace affects my wife, my children, my family. This grace affects your spouse. This grace affects your mind. This grace affects your habits. This grace supersedes your addictions. This grace goes over your faults. This grace gives you a new beginning. This grace gives you victory. This grace gives you an appreciation for what Christ has done. And it doesn't mean that I live a life of defeat. It means I live a life going forward, as Howard shared. I live a life moving forward in Christ because of the grace of God in me. I've got eight things. I'm just going to read them to you. You go, what? The law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is what grace does. The Spirit fulfills the requirements of the law, not you. Spirit living is a mindset. When you live in the Spirit, you live a life of life and peace in the Spirit. My life is in the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within me. The Spirit is alive in me because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, in verse 11, gives life to my physical, mortal body. 
The grace of God is phenomenal. The grace of God is amazing. Stop living life in your abilities and start living life in the Spirit's abilities. I've tried this morning to convey the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. He is not an option. He is the way I live. He's not an add-on. But if I would live in the Spirit, if I would yield myself, if I would look at Romans 5, 6, and 7, and I would say in Romans 7, 25, it's through Jesus Christ, and then I come into Romans 8, and I say there's no condemnation because I don't live in the flesh. I live and I walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so powerful in our life of grace. And as Pastor Nelson shared with me this morning, when we're standing in his presence, not only is the supernatural, but every single thing you need is found in him. So my prayer for you today is that as you walk in the Holy Spirit, you'd start to see the power of his grace changing your life. Anybody a candidate for more of the Holy Spirit? It's not that he's, it's not that he grows, it's that my awareness of him grows. He's already 100%. <laughs> it's not an issue of him. You know, I say the word more of God. It's not that God increases somehow and, and he, it's, it's that I somehow allow him to be bigger in my life. Because I've found every once in a while, I try to resurrect old Dave. And he ain't worth it. So my prayer for you, whatever situation you face, that you would change your mind and come at it through the Holy Spirit and what God has given for you and to you. That you wouldn't look at it as a deficiency, but you'd come and you'd say, God, what is happening here? Because in the Spirit, I'm, I'm alive in you. I'm aware of you. I, your Holy Spirit quickens me. It lives in me. I walk in you. So what's going on? Amen? Let's pray. If any of this landed, 
Just allow him right now to touch you. If any of this made sense, let him just speak to you right now. We're going to give about 30 seconds to allow Holy Spirit to talk with you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for grace. And Lord, I thank you that it is nothing I do, nothing I achieve, but it's all because of you. Lord, that we cannot boast in our abilities, we cannot boast in our heritage, we cannot boast in our connections. The only thing we can boast in is in you. Lord, I ask today that we would have a greater revelation of your grace in our life. That we would see your grace functioning in our lives through the Holy Spirit's power and ability and presence in our life. And Lord, I thank you that the case is closed and there is no condemnation because we walk and we live in the Spirit. And Lord, as we have our soup today, Lord, I ask, oh God, that it, our fellowship would be great, that we would have amazing time of fellowship, and that you would touch lives as we sit across the tables from each other and just eat together. In your precious name, everybody said, amen. God.